This is the Drive-In Podcast, Episode 20, Take 1. Bada-bing, bada-boom. Welcome to the 20th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have the checkup with yours truly, Dr. O, breaking down the latest news in the movie industry. We have a review of the critical hit, One Night in Miami. And then we have our top billing draft of actors we would love to hang out with. So buckle up for the 20th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Hello and welcome to the loyal listeners. Welcome to the 20th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. I'd like to introduce my co-host, my brother, my best friend. Here here he is, Ricky Flex. How are we? Wow, kind words, Dr. O. I'm doing well. It's uh, James Earl Jones' birthday today. Fantastic day. (laughs) Just, man, watching a couple highlight films this morning of him. Got me riled up for this Sunday morning. How about you, Dr. O? I, I, I love that you just start off with James Earl Jones. I've been Why not? Okay, you know, dude. I, what I want, I want to give a shout out to my buddy Marcus, who is a uh, uh, cop down in D.C. He actually sent me a video uh, last late last night. He must have been surfing the web after a few drinks, but he uh, <laughs> he sent me an episode four, basically uh, a recreation of it. That would have been like if uh, if Obi Wan Kenobi fought Darth Vader. And it was made in 2020. So it's like the lightsaber battle is more up to date because it, it obviously it didn't have like the epicness that like, let's say an episode three had between the two. Right. And then it also had, it was like inserting different um, sound bites from episode three. Like you were the chosen one into like uh, their heads as they're fighting. And then mm-hmm. Luke is staring on. And uh, I, I threw out this idea. What if like, can you imagine what Star Wars would look like if they started off with episode one? And you had that story back in 1977. You built up to like Skywalker saga. Wow. Six, like, like, I think that would have been, I think that's an incredible what if. That is an incredible what if. There should be a, a spinoff series on Disney Plus about it. It should be. And uh, <laughs> it's like when they think about remaking classics, like people say like remake The Godfather, right? Mm-hmm. Remake Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like what if they remade like episode four? Which, in, which is, in like 30 40 concept. years maybe yeah like once it's, it's so uh hard. once the skywalker era saga is like it's officially closed right now but when it's really down the line and you get the next generations a couple generations down the line that just have no idea what star wars is anymore except these like disney plus series th- getting thrown out right and there's just too much uh material already that like if you remake it then you have to say are we re- remaking everything else it just has that different aspect about it with the franchise the, element the universe is so large that they can go so many different avenues they don't need to repeat really they don't need to repeat the same stories they, they have so many other stories to go after like they're doing right now there's going to be more and i can't wait to see yeah. them obviously we've been talking about it on this pod all for the past almost a year now but we're, we're going to see where it goes but i wouldn't i wouldn't put it past us if we ever see a remake of it especially because i've seen that video as well dr o fantastic fantastic when they're in the hallway scene fantastic yeah and they close it off and all of a sudden happens like to the real episode four footage but it's fascinating maybe they'll do it i think they'll just keep expanding the universe Mm -hmm. um let's get to the checkup what do you say flicks let's do it 
All right. Uh, major, major story that came at the back end of this week. According to Deadline, our boy Justin Kroll says that Chris Evans is nearing a deal to reprise his role as Captain America in the MCU. The deal is reportedly for at least one film and potentially two. Uh, Evans will have a supporting role, similar to Robert Downey Jr. in Spider-Man Homecoming and Captain America Civil War. Evans has seemingly denied the report after tweeting out, quote, news to me with a shrug emoji to what was happening, obviously, on social media. So, Flix, what do we think of Chris Evans dusting off that shield and rejoining the MCU, potentially? Yeah, so with Justin Kroll, like, so reliable, basically the incoming bombs coming at you, like the Fabrizio Romano of, of soccer, he's that. Of, Woj bomb, Chef Yeah, Lee. Woj. Uh, yeah, people in America would probably know, yeah. But uh, I, I don't know, like – Captain America in a supporting role. One, I didn't read it like that. I read it like just Chris Evans coming back to the MCU. I didn't know it was like strictly Captain America because I'm thinking we have all these Fantastic Four rumors. We got John Watts doing the next Fantastic Four. What if we just brought back Chris Evans for Human Torch? You're reaching, bro. That was my mind because that would be fun to bring him back and get some star-studded, like get that cast together. What a great first start is – Chris Evans. But then yeah. the other way my mind was going with it before you said supporting cast was what if they did like a Disney plus series of him putting back the infinity stones uh, that you see in Endgame uh, at the end where he uh, goes by himself to replace them. That's like a Disney plus series, maybe seasons like that, that, that could take that, forever. Right. And then and like, it's, it's something that was really brushed, like really just like said, Oh yeah, he's going to return the infinity stones. Like, it's right. Super simple. Yes, end of end game. This is over. Like it definitely has a lot of potential to happen. I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, and they could even just do after the fact, like after he does that, his life, uh, his life afterwards, and him being the second Captain America, like this, because there would be two then in that timeline. So that would be interesting to see mm-hmm. as well. So I don't know, like I, I can't see it personally, just having Captain America come back in a supporting role, unless it's in one of those circumstances or Captain. Uh, Fantastic Four. Call me crazy. Yeah. It, so I threw out a couple ideas in a blog. I said he could possibly be like a mentor, like like Tony Stark was to Spider-Man. He's like a mentor to the next Captain America. If they keep this current timeline going, they somehow reinsert him. They could also be like a mentor to the young Avengers because obviously he's a leader of the older Avengers. And I like how like if they bring him back, you're keeping that connection with these new heroes to the OGs. Like that's important. Like Chris Evans, I mean, uh, Chris Hemsworth is really the only one left that's like getting his own movies. Like Black Widow's gone. You have Tony Stark gone. We thought Captain America was gone. Keep that connection to the OGs. Um, and then uh, I like the idea of the Infinity Stones, but I think like, I also want to talk about his denial of it on Twitter. Like this dude is an MCU pro. He knows if something comes out too early, he's going to deny it immediately. Kevin Feige is probably proud after seeing that tweet. He's like, yep, this guy knows how to do it. Right. Yeah. 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 So so I would love to see it. uh, MCU is better with Captain America than without it. Of course. Of course. And yeah. And so I'm, I'm all on board. So hopefully, uh, it's yeah, interesting what you said, else. though, as a mentor role. Like, are you thinking like a Bruce Wayne type, like to bat and like Batman Beyond? Like he would just yeah. be the man in the chair, um, not like a Nick Fury, but you know, like the Bruce like, Wayne, like when he's older. So yeah, but at the same time, like Captain America, is he going to lose his abilities? Probably. Right, he has to be like so, so old. Maybe, like he's just going to be a mentor, and maybe just like what he needs to like come and serve and help out Sam Wilson or Bucky, mm-hmm. whoever it is. So maybe he already has, I mean, you think he's filmed maybe a flashback cameo already for Falcon, the winter soldier. I think there's a good chance. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, um, de- definitely some at least. 
Yeah. So it's just it's it's great to have him potentially back. Yep. Moving on with the checkup. According to Deadline, right, Brendan Fraser will star as a 600-pound man in an upcoming A24 film directed by Darren Aronofsky titled The Whale. The film marks Aronofsky's first film since his Paramount thriller Mother, starring Jennifer Lawrence. No interest in ever watching that movie. The story of the film follows a 600-pound recluse hiding away from the world and slowly eating himself to death, who is given the one last chance at redemption. Flex. Is Frazier officially on a path towards Oscar glory? Oh, Lord. Um, so, Brendan Frazier, he kind of gets thrown in the same sort of mix as Nick Cage, where Nick Cage kind of... Now, he, Nick Cage, he is an Oscar winner and, uh, and more than, than one-time Oscar-nominated actor. And he has a lot of... Yeah, his filmography is pretty great before like from national treasure 07 ish and prior like in a cohen's brother cohen brother movie like he like nick cage is when he when he's on he's on brendan frazier when he's on it's like the mummy movies like he, he's, <laughs> when he's when he's looney on, tunes back in action like i don't yeah. it's not when like the on, same he's mediocre yes exactly so i do have my hesitations but a24 teaming up with brendan frazier might be the best thing for him if he wants to get above that mediocrity and this concept it's just so it screams brendan frazier like 600 pound man like just the concept itself is just outrageous and something that grabs your attention as like just on social media saying wow i kind of need to watch this right and then like darren arnofsky i'm like this is going to be like a dark film, I think, just based off of his reputation, like Requiem for a Dream. We're talking Black Swan, Mother. Right. I, it's like like movies I'm literally afraid to watch. Like I, <laughs> I'm so afraid to watch his movies because they're so depressing, gritty to a point where it's you don't want to watch it at points. You turn your head away from the screen. Yes. It's not a horror movie. It's just painful to watch. And I think we're going to get that at Brendan Fraser. So as much as I don't want to watch a Darren Aronofsky movie, it's a must watch because it's Brendan Fraser. We're talking George mm-hmm. of the Jungle, dude. We're talking George of the Jungle, it's, and we're talking George Scout. It's just like a, like bedazzled, like the whole '90s. Like Brendan Fraser was basically like what The Rock used to be, where he was like in all these like like mediocre like action movies, and then he kind of just fell off a cliff. Obviously, The mm-hmm. Rock obviously has ascended into like rock star, superstardom. Okay? Yeah. But uh, that's just like what I was comparing to. And then The Rock also had the spinoff for the Mummies. So that's why I used the comparison. And Young Rock, NBC. Oh my God. Young Rock. Dude, by the way, our Twitter was popping yesterday. We we did a, a Young Sheldon. What if there's a Young Sheldon versus Young Rock? The crossover we've all been waiting for. <laughs> it might break the internet. It might break everyone's television. So, uh, by the way, Young Rock just looks like... Looks Trash. Trash. It looks so bad. Ordering tequila. That idea. Terrible. Like, you're going to have young, young Rock like pitching an idea, like a thought bubble coming into his head saying, Terramana Tequila. Is when he's like idea? six yeah, like, seven. <laughs> yeah. yeah like come on so, now uh yeah so I, i'm excited for brendan fraser coming back into the fold like he was in doom patrol and as a supporting role i'm excited this will be a major hollywood comeback imagine if he actually gets that oscar and we're just nominated for an oscar like you didn't yeah, have to get like one. almost i don't even know what i would compare it to it's like mickey rourke for the wrestler darren Aronofsky did that with him his comeback right so wow that's, that's like a, almost that's a, a pretty good yeah. comparison that's a great comparison. Wow. Didn't even now I have my hopes up a little more. I think, wow, you opened my eyes up a this little might, bit. This, this might be a low key, very uh powerful duo. So we'll see. We'll Brendan see. Frazier. 
Brennan Frazier. Going on here. Going on here. In an interview with Collider, we got some more Marvel news. Kevin Feige confirms that Deadpool 3 is going to be rated R and will be set within the MCU. This was rumored to be happening. What's your reaction to this news, Flex? This confirmation. Yeah, this confirmation is kind of similar to last week when we, or two weeks ago when Suicide Squad, the newest one with James Gunn, this coming out this summer, got confirmed for a rated R. Just less constrictions around it. Deadpool continues to be able to be Deadpool. But the thing I'm looking forward to most is who can he team up with? Maybe now that he's confirmed to be in the MCU, not just the Fox product. Like everyone always talked about the X-Men and how you see Colossus and all the minor X-Men with him. But now potentially you can get like a Spider-Man with him. That would be crazy if that was possible. If Tom Holland's goody two-shoe Spider-Man teamed up with the XR-rated Deadpool that just kills everything in sight. That would be the crossover that that I would love to see personally. How about you, Doc? Like Spider-Man has that like young appeal, like to like people in high school, people in elementary school. All of a sudden, you pair with a Deadpool, which has that same. Yeah, that was a question I was gonna. Which he appeals to that audience just like in a totally opposite spectrum sort of way. Right, where he's just like the, the bad boys watch Deadpool, the good goody two shoes. Right? <laughs> yeah, kids who get detentions watch Deadpool. The kids who get A's watch Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, a team up I actually wrote in a blog that I want to see personally is Deadpool with actually Nick Fury. So we get like uh, Samuel Jackson in an R rated movie, right? The alt maybe the goat swear in movies along with Joe Pesci. At least if those <laughs> two are on the Mount Rushmore. So if we get Sam like uh. Samuel Jackson almost playing that cable role that Josh Brolin did in Deadpool mm-hmm. 2. I think that could be a, a money combination. And then uh, obviously he could be like the guy who introduces Deadpool to the Avengers, to these characters. So I think it'd be a natural like team up. Even and it, he doesn't have to have that large of a role where it takes away from Deadpool's third solo movie. Mm-hmm. And then the next Deadpool entry, bang, he's working with Spider-Man. Bang, he's working with whatever falcon the winter soldier doing something so and maybe it's just going with the x-men yeah i just i i think we'd be rep, like we can't not say a potential return of hugh jackman that would be phenomenal just all the social media around ryan reynolds and hugh jackman that they always tease about these two characters that they play just to never see it actually come into fruition just that like in itself just the thought of it happening would be insane and i think we just needed to mention that real quick. So let's talk about the rumors, right? That Spider-Man's having, or they're bringing back, like obviously Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Kirsten Dunst, like mm-hmm. from Molina. The list goes on and on. Jamie Fox. What if? What are the odds now? If Spider-Man Three is successful, what are the odds we see Hugh Jackman come back to the role as Wolverine using the using like this multiverse? Do you th- how, what is the chance? What are the chances, Flex? I just don't see it using the multiverse. I just don't personally because it's just he's not a part of it. Like he's never been a part of it. I know Deadpool now confirmed in the MCU, but the X-Men, like they haven't confirmed that being in the MCU. And to bring back Logan as a part of the MCU when he's always been like that specific Logan, that Wolverine has never been and never will be technically because spoiler alert, Logan for the next five seconds, he's dead. So he won't never be in the MCU. So it just doesn't make sense to me. I would love to see it because I love that character. I think I think James Mangold did something gold and fresh with Logan that I would love to see more in superhero movies. But I just don't think it's going to happen. 
Oh yeah. wow! You, um, sorry, didn't mean didn't mean to do that. Man, gold was gold, baby. But uh, I, I, I like it'd be ideal if we had him return to the role, just because he's so synonymous with it. We talked about like characters being synonymous, exactly. synonymous with the roles, like Gal Gadot is synonymous with Wonder Woman, Ryan right? Reynolds, Deadpool, and, uh, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool, Chris Hemsworth, Thor. It's like you can't see someone else playing them. That's like, exactly what's going through my mind. And then uh, if I mean Tony McGuire comes back, it just makes me think, okay, we gotta get like Hugh Jackman back for a movie or something like that. Maybe like X-Men, a new X-Men, maybe down the line, X-Men morphing with old X-Men. That'd be kind of crazy. Well, now that, um, it, now, wait, 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 wait. Now that we're on the topic though of like the Spider-Verse, Charlie Cox rumors about him like being, oh, yeah. like, I don't know if we were going to talk about that, but we might as well just do it now real quick. Like, what the heck? Like, why is he coming into this movie? Like, I love him and, and Dead, uh, Daredevil. I think that's one of the best Netflix shows I've ever watched, personally. Just so enjoyable. But those rumors, Dr. O, like him yeah. being in Spider-Man 3, what do you think about that? A Netflix original MCU movie like uh, series going into the movies. So only thing I liked about the Netflix series was Daredevil himself. Like literally the other characters in Daredevil. I didn't care I'm not sure it was great in that. Movies. Except for oh, I like well, like Wilson Fisk as Kingpin. Oh yeah, like, true. that was Did some of the best casting I've ever seen in Marvel, and it was for a Netflix show. Punisher, yeah, you could bring him back. I don't think it's gonna be make or break. Daredevil, way too big of a character not to have him. Way too big of a character. So I mm-hmm. think like Spider Man's gonna be that uh, that avenue where Charlie Cox is gonna be able to eventually reprise the role and then get his own movie potentially or series. Wild. Hopefully, I want I want to see him on the big screen. I want to see him on the big screen. Daredevil deserves a movie. Right? He yes, does that I agree. Character. And he and loves he that there. role. And, Charlie Cox yeah, and loves he, that role. And then for in terms of Spider-Man is like connection, like Daredevil is a lot of times working with Spider-Man. That's a yes. lot that happens a gr- like a great deal. Like in the comics, yes. Yes. And so and then also the animated uh show if we, if anyone's ever seen it. Love it. You know, from the 90s. Mm-hmm. And so uh, yeah, good connection there. But uh I can't I want to see like how like Charlie Cox's costume is gonna like develop because make it like movie quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had that feel like where it was a show still, and it, like for some reason, TV show costumes don't hit the same as like movie costumes. There's not as much production that goes with a sick MCU costume, one that people take time for. Right, it's not connected to Netflix. Bring him in. Yeah, and uh, last point here with the Spider versus and Daredevil is that hey, 2003 film Ben Affleck Daredevil or bring <laughs> Ben Affleck join this cast. <laughs> then after Kevin, after uh, his comments this week, Ben Affleck made comments on with uh, yes, Kevin that's Bailly, called exactly who's ever lived. I pitched the idea. He that wants he, it. Uh, I was pitching the idea to Ricky Flex uh, for the audience that uh, uh, he should play Uncle Ben, like flashback scenes Uncle Ben with Marissa Tomei as Aunt May, and uh, it'd be a nice little role for Affleck. And then he can he's diving back in, he's going back and forth from Marvel to DC, and I, I wouldn't hate it. But you see where I was going with that, Dr. Owie? He's made those comments this week. Charlie Cox rumors come out this week. Like, he might be at – he wants – everyone's in this movie. He wants in. Marvel is just absolutely buzzing right now because we – like, like the last part of the checkup. We they own social media. And especially, like, this buildup of, like, uh, media, like, this news – this media tour – due to WandaVision, which we will recap, actually, at the end of this episode with the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. We also had Ethan Hawke signed on to be the main. Yes. Movie, right. So this news comes after Oscar Isaac was confirmed as the star of the upcoming MCU series. Uh, yeah. Last week, Hawke historically is known for not being a fan of superhero films. Uh, he reacted to Logan. We talked about Logan earlier. He said that I went to quote, I went to see Logan because everyone was like, this is a great movie. And I was like, really? No, this is a fine superhero movie. 
there's a big difference, but big business doesn't think there's a difference. Big business wants you to think that this is a great film because they want to make money off of it, end quote. So we have Ethan Hawke hating on uh, superhero movies years ago when Logan comes out, arguably the greatest superhero movie ever made. And now we have him joining the MCU as the villain to Oscar Isaac's Moon Knight. What do you think, folks? Money talks. Money talks. That's my view. Either that or he wants to be more in the limelight because he does a lot of indie films. He does a lot of smaller films like Before Sunset, Before Sunrise. Those two movies are the best two romantic romance movies of all time. And no one even has seen them or really like except like film, like film gurus and like critics. But my point here is that, yeah, hard. but uh, my point here is that he's a phenomenal actor. He just doesn't be seen. This is a way for him to be seen and maybe a jump up, jump out point to getting more like he, like the, uh, what's the point I'm saying? Like the A-list. Yeah. More notoriety with his roles because he's, like I said, he's in the smaller roles, smaller budgets. Now after this, he can prove his worth to main audience. People like, people like us kind of and main mainstream media saying like, Hey, I'm still here and I'm still acting and at a high level. Yeah. So I think that, I think the notoriety aspect is massive. Uh, maybe he's come around. Like, obviously he's made all these artsy fartsy films that you've been talking about and now mm-hmm. he's a chance to cash. And then he also, he hasn't gotten that elusive Oscar. He's been nominated multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he like, maybe if he stars in a Marvel movie, like people will start to like see him, put him more in the mainstream and, and he, like, he won't stop making those movies. He's obsessed with them. And uh, I'm an Ethan Hawke fan. And like, I, like, I loved like Dead Poets Society. He, he's a, a crybaby, but I liked him. And then you had, uh, you had Training Day, awesome with Denzel, right? Mm-hmm. He played like their chemistry was amazing. And then, like having him in Moon Knight, it's going to see a different element to him. Uh, he's also been like, he would played uh, Nikola Tesla, right? Earlier this year in a movie. I still wish I Another saw under the radar so, movie. I think it's, I think it's an Amazon movie too. An Amazon original, but that's just um, a prime example, like a famous figure that the movie wasn't really hyped up at all on social media. And it just right. got swept under the rug. And I'm not saying the movie's good or bad, but I don't think anyone's seen the movie. Like not a lot of exactly. people have seen it. That's the problem. Not a lot of people see Ethan Hawke movies. Now he's, people are going to see this for sure. Him and Oscar Isaac in a Disney plus Marvel series. People will see yeah. this, maybe get back in the limelight. Like I mentioned before, he wants the he wants the credit he deserves. And, and I think that Marvel is just showing that they are not stopping in terms of recruiting talent. Like when you look at the beginning yes. of the MCU, you have like Chris Evans was not a huge star when he was, uh, when he won the role of Captain America, RDJ was like fallen, had fallen off a cliff before John Favreau had to petition for him to get the role. And then you had mm-hmm. like, like ScarJo was a pretty big actress at the time, but like Jeremy Renner was decent size act- actor. So now you you get this constant recruiting of a list talent, Mahershala Ali, Ethan Hawke, right? Oscar Isaac. Like they, like they, their, their recruitment is off the charts. They're the Nick Saban of the movie industry. Like Kevin Feige is Nick Saban in terms of recruitment. It's crazy how he has turned superhero movies into like, okay, we can make these into powerful projects. They're not only must watch and entertaining, but they send these larger messages and they have this great talent attached to them. So Feige, go. Yeah, I I think you summed it up well. And he's also going to be in the Northman that's coming out this year. Um, Yeah. That's going to be big. I'm excited for that one. That made the top, that made the top 10 most anticipated movies of 2021. Mm -hmm. And also, um, Excuse me. He's going to be in The Guilty with Jake Gyllenhaal. We mentioned on the race to the Oscar. And that one's about um, the police officer that's 
on the dispatch desk and he gets a call about a kidnapped woman. So like I, that. I didn't even know he was in that. I'll... Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see where Ethan Hawke's career goes like from this series and the two movies come out this year next year and with an Oscar Isaac in one series, Jake Gyllenhaal in another, and then the Northman with that whole cast that we've read off a bunch of times. Yeah, I'm glad he's changed his mind. Right, because mm-hmm. like he does deserve the notoriety. I, I don't like what he said about Logan because I thought that was a powerful movie, whether it was a superhero movie or not. But uh, I'm still rooting for him to do well. So that does it for the checkup this week, Ricky Flex. Right. Um, now we're going to move on to our review. Yes, dude, a fire one. All these superhero, yeah. the superhero news is just fun to talk about. Uh, we're now going to move on to our review of Regina King's recent release for Amazon, One Night in Miami. Okay. Flicks. Let's get to this movie. A much anticipated release. We're now going deep into awards season right now, which is which has been extended due to the coronavirus and the pushback releases uh, that have resulted in the delays. So let's give a synopsis here, then we'll jump into it. So the synopsis here is One Night Miami is a fictional account, important to remember, of one incredible night where icons, Muhammad Ali, who goes by Cassius Clay in the movie, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown gathered discussing, discussing their roles in the civil rights movement and cultural upheaval of the 1960s, right? So, flicks, knee-jerk reactions upon viewing the movie. Uh, initial thoughts, right? We'll get to the performances. We'll get to everything like that. Uh, we'll, go to, we'll get to Regina King. But what was your knee-jerk reaction after watching this movie? Yeah, before I go, I just would say not really any spoilers in this movie. Like, everyone knows, like, these are all memorable people in history, historical figures. Everyone knows what happens to them. Those are still true. So just to clarify with everybody, uh, the beginning of the movie, it says by inspired by true events, like the things that lead up to this meeting, all true, and what makes the movie so special, I think. But uh, what happens inside that room? Fictionalized. Okay, so I think it's important that we make that clarification. Continue, Flix. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but initial reactions, I, I really... Like, this is an adaptation from a play, right? Like, an on-stage play. And I thought I personally didn't, like, in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, that was so obviously a play, like a staged play. And you got that vibe from it. And personally, like, some people like just watching plays all the time. Me, personally, I like watching plays if I'm at a theater. But if I'm watching a movie, I'd rather watch a theatrical cinematic version of it. And I thought Regina King did a great job translating that stage presence to, uh, to, to the big screen here big screen in quotes because i watched this on amazon prime on my laptop but moving on i really think that even just in that one bedroom or in the top of the rooftop those two main settings of the movie i thought that it was still like the performances were so powerful that it overcame those settings that were restrict the settings were restricted because in a, on a stage you're kind of restricted and even though they carried over those settings this movie was still very powerful with its themes and performances and i thought regina king and her, King in her directorial debut did a fantastic job and in large part thanks to Kemp Powers who wrote an amazing script and who he all Kemp Powers also wrote the onstage script for One Night in Miami and fun fact he also wrote and co-directed with Pete Doctor Soul which we reviewed two episodes ago so he's having a killer year but I thought that helped out helped Regina King out a lot and also these performances which we'll get to later what about you Dr. O? So after watching this, what stuck out to me, you've mentioned like the play style and the one setting, basically two settings on the roof and in the hotel room. And then they go to the bar at the end. But the, the performances were re- what really stood out to me. The, the, the four actors who played uh, Cook, 
Muhammad Ali, uh, Malcolm X, Jim Brown, they put on a tour de force. And yep. it was interesting to see because these aren't really uh, well-known actors right now. Leslie Odom is mostly known for as a singer, Aldous Hodge. Hamilton, too. What he's going like, yes, true. Excuse me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Aldous Hodge, mainly known for what he's going to be doing next, right? When he's joining the DC Universe. Uh, uh, Hawkman. Uh, yes, Hawkman. And then Eli Gorey, like, plays Muhammad Ali. No one knows who he is. He plays a younger star, Muhammad Ali. And then I think who really stole the show is Kingsley Ben Adir, who plays Malcolm X. And so I think my big takeaway in terms of the performances, he just dominated he's guaranteed a nomination um a lot like they and i thought they were all awesome but i think he stood on the shoulders of the rest of them i thought he was that much uh better i also want to say uh the beginning of this movie like it was in those minimal settings but the movie did pop on screen i don't know if it's my new computer or what but i thought like the, the vibrant colors and everything that came from this yeah movie i agree stuck out and i, I agree like, that's not something i expected because i'm more focusing on like the dialogue between the characters, but I'm like, wow, this is like really like Regina King props to you. Like the cinematography was decent. Yes. I and totally then, agree. You even see that in the movie poster. Yeah. Like it just pops at you like in a good way. Pops right. at you. Yeah. I know. I was just looking at it right now. I have it set up for the newsletter tomorrow and it's mm. just like, boom, it's like yes. hitting you right in the face. Um, and I thought also the theme of the movie, and maybe we'll just get into that right now. Mm-hmm. I thought it was powerful. Let's... We're talking about a 1960s civil rights movement right? And then we're also, how does it connect today? And I think the characters is, is what builds on the theme. So it talks about, and I think this is the main point of the movie, how should empowered African Americans, um, what responsibilities should they shoulder when it comes to supporting their own people? And I think you have, it's not necessarily black and white. You have Malcolm X thinking like, okay, you have, you should do everything you can. You should be using the media, everything to support our people, right? Over everybody else like you should be or supporting over white people and then you have uh cook right sam cook saying okay well i'm supporting uh individual artists in different ways i'm not using it with my media using it with my music right but i'm still supporting right my people and it's just what is that level of responsibility someone should take and that's especially big with like social media today like we talk about lebron james and him talking in media and then coming out protesting and then using these uh like being the leader of movements all right or being an advocate of movements then in comparison to a person like michael jordan who didn't do that so like it's like that's i think that was the example that kind of popped in my head but flicks what do you think about that theme of responsibility for empowered african-americans no that definitely took a lot of the presence in this movie and especially with sam cook and malcolm x that took about a third of the movie just those two going at it and i think that's what stole the show really was not just Kingsley Benadir who played Malcolm X, but also was Leslie Odom Jr. I thought he was phenomenal as Sam cook. And, and just to get back to what your, your question is here with the theme is that it's more of like, it are, it's either, are you doing enough or understanding like what you're doing and like your perceptions of like what you're doing. Cause a big mm-hmm. thing here is that like Malcolm X is saying your lyrics of like the famous or the scene in the movie and goes, I love you. I love you. I love you. Like that song that just, he kept saying that he's like, Oh, that's real powerful, Sam. That's real powerful. Right. He was like mocking Sam cook. And then Sam cook claps back a little later saying, I'm empowering all these black uh, songwriters and musicians. Like, who do you think you are, like, talking to me about, like, empowering, like, I'm helping us. Like, you don't understand. It's just the, perce- the pers- uh, perspective. 
Right. It's just, it's interesting to see like how the, each end of the spectrum, like the Hollywood money, uh, like people that have made it right in the African-American community at the time, they, how they were trying, like some of them were trying, like Sam Cooke were trying to empower the black community. And then people like Malcolm X who are loud, outspoken, trying to make their voices heard very literally on the front lines. Yes. So it's very interesting to see how they, how those two collided in this movie. Like, obviously I'm not saying Malcolm X and Sam Cooke did that. I'm just as in collided, like in this movie, I'm just saying in the movie, it was very interesting to see. Seeing their dynamic, I think was the best part of the movie. It was really Mm -hmm. thought provoking. And it's like, it made you question, like, I am not an African-American. I don't, I am more analyzing as I'm watching more than I'm trying to find understanding. Right. And trying to like, especially coming from a director and filmmaker like Regina King, I'm trying to find understanding. Uh, so I was fascinated to see that aspect because in the beginning you have Malcolm X basically roasting Sam Cooke. They have, they have that one side. You're almost like gaining, like, like you believe more in Malcolm X's story and his message, but then you have Sam Cooke clapping back. Like, this is what uh, I, this is what I do. And then you're kind of torn. Like, what is the responsibility? And then you kind of find out, no one can really tell you what the responsibility is. As long as you feel like you're impacting uh, your people in a, in a impactful way. Like if you are impacting them and influencing them in a positive manner, that's really what matters. Right. Um, and using your platform to help. Right. And it doesn't have to be in the same manner. There's no right or wrong way of doing it. Just the way that you're being that positive influence. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go to the performances. I want to talk about Malcolm X. Because this is a very controversial figure, Flex. This is very. someone who is looked at as like more of it's a militant uh, Martin Luther King, like one that it, like has advocated for violence and the and like uh, has come at other race, uh, the white race, okay, and their suppression of uh, black people. So I thought Kingsley Benadire was amazing as that person, as that serious style. And it, and I think he did a great job in gaining an understanding of who Malcolm X was, because I think it's kind of, he's kind of a, he is a polarizing figure. Very. And uh, Mm -hmm. so, and I think like we saw the Denzel Washington movie, like way, way back. Right. Yeah. That's 92, 92, 93. Wow. So yeah, super far long, like, and it's like three, three, four hour yes. movie. All right. So super it's like long this, movie is this sharp in moment Likely. of time. And like, this gives you like the essence of who he was. And I think Kingsley Ben there just murdered it. And like, he, he did, I gotta be honest. I gotta be honest. He also is like all time vibe killer vibe killer to the max <laughs> yeah like he like literally the boys are just trying to celebrate cash's clay's victory and like, o- like over sunny list yeah, jim brown wants to go get laid like and yeah. then malcolm x is like let's have no alcohol vanilla ice cream and just sit in this trashy hotel room right all-time vibe killer and then like he'll just like turn every- the conversation there's- it'll be fun all of a sudden okay we're going like this is what you should be doing with race this is what you should be doing this is what you should be doing use your platform your uh, your joke things like that and just like all-time vibe killers mm-hmm. i just wanted to bring that up too but do you think he was the best? He was the best performance in this movie, Flex. Yes, I think so. But I think that Leslie Odom Jr. should get more credit than I'm seeing because a lot because the best when this film submits their Oscar nom like what they want to be considered for for the Oscars, they're going to put Kingsley Benadire for best actor. But I really and like well deserved like I think nomination. They, they put forth everybody. They put forth all four. Uh, I believe they're only going to put the others towards best supporting. I believe. Okay. Okay. Oh, so you're you're differentiating there. I meant yes. Yeah, so I meant like they're all being put forth for Oscars. Yes, they are, and I think, I think only two really belong, and I think that's 
Kingsley, like we just talked about, the person who played Malcolm X, Kingsley Benadir, and Leslie Odom Jr. Because the the uh, what's his name? Uh, the person who played Muhammad Ali, uh, Eli Gorey. Eli Gorey. Uh, although I thought he was good, again, similar to Malcolm X, but I think even more so with Muhammad Ali. There's so many documentaries, movies already about him. And you could tell that he took a lot of what was said in those interviews from Muhammad Ali and those, like those headline interviews, like that you see like him yelling at people, Muhammad Ali when he was, uh, and his like in back in 1964, he kind of just took those and was kind of just impersonating Muhammad Ali. And even though I thought he was good, I just didn't think that this movie really focused enough on him compared to the Sam Cooke, Malcolm X, uh, clash. And that's why I think right. the focus was like was on them and should be on them. And I just didn't think there was enough there for uh, the Muhammad Ali character in this. I, I I think there was a decent emphasis on it. Like but, it's, it's like a, a lot of the movie was focusing on like his transition and religion, right? And whether of course, like, yeah. So like, and then that also provides a whole different theme we're talking about with faith and like how faith like impacts what you should be doing with the world and things like that. But. I, I agree in the aspect that he maybe didn't become the character, let's say, as much as a uh, Kingsley Benadire, like after Malcolm X. Like you could tell he consumed that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it felt like almost he was overplaying the Muhammad Ali character a bit. Like, yes. he, like he was like talking about those quotes and like those notable moments in his career. And he, like, and, but I think he did a decent job as a young, naive character. Uh, Muhammad Ali. Cassius yeah, I Clark, agree. Like a 22 year old who doesn't really understand what's going on. I think he kind of nailed that aspect. Did I think he was on the same level as the other two you mentioned? I don't think so, but I think this was he serviceable. Yeah. And I wouldn't hate to see him in that upcoming um, Muhammad Ali movie where he, it's going to be based on his refusal of service uh, for mm-hmm. the Vietnam War. Like I, Eli Gorey, let's, let's put him forward. Why not? Yeah. Give him more of that. Kind of, this is kind of an audition for that. Yeah, this is almost like a prequel to what happened. True, if we true. Think about it. Imagine oh, yeah. if King comes on and directs it. Yeah, I think just, I guess my, for what I was trying to say is that it's hard to get past the portrayals of Muhammad Ali and the Malcolm X because Denzel Washington, Oscar nominated, arguably should have won that year for playing Malcolm X character. And then Will Smith playing uh, Muhammad Ali as well. And I, Oscar nominated as well. I won't say should have won, but phenomenal performance and you have all these interviews and documentaries that we've seen already it's hard to get past those i think kingsley benadir did a great job getting past those and really became the character and then for eli gory i really just did not see past that i didn't see past that for him like him playing the role i just saw the character and the person muhammad Ali was not necessarily the involvement in the story as much as like a kingsley benadir does that make sense right. Yeah, no, 100%. And then I also, you, thought, you talked about Denzel. Like, you have Eli Gorey also going against Muhammad, Al, I mean, uh, Will Smith. Yeah. Who's an Oscar nominee. So he's like, uh, so it's like trying to put your own spin on the character. I think that's incredibly important. And mm-hmm. I think that's why Kingsley Benadir was so freaking good in this movie. And uh, what I want to do, what was I going to say? Um, did you want to talk about Aldous Hodges real quick? Oh, yeah, we can just, yeah, we can just keep going with that. Aldous Hodge is Jim Brown which is someone who's not really talked about as much in the same vein as uh, mainly Cassius Clay and Malcolm X. Like even Sam Cooke's not really talked about in that manner. But uh, I, I find, I thought Altus Hodge was good as like that reserved character, the one who was calm and the one who was 
firmly knew his place, right? Because you have like, what is Cash is going to do? Like, what, is he going to join the Muslim faith? You, and then you have obviously Kingsley Benadir with Malcolm X. He's firmly in his place. He knows what he's going to do. And then you had Sam Cooke. He's kind of second guessing himself. He was, uh, Aldous Hodge was good with limited dialogue. He was great yes. at like being that presence in the room who was confident in himself. And uh, I think he doesn't, maybe he just doesn't have enough work in this movie to get a nomination like the other three or the Agreed. other two, the main two we talked about. But I thought he was very serviceable. For so sure. I think a, a scene that summed up his part in the movie, and this isn't to try to deteriorate his, his acting abilities or his role in the movie. I just mm-hmm. thought that's what it, this is what his role was, was when it was towards the end of the Sam Cooke Malcolm X argument and he goes in the bathroom and just staring at himself in the mirror. That's just like, us as the audience like wow this is like intense this has been going on for so long just like Like catch my breath here and like what am i gonna do to stop this like that's what i kind of felt like his role was it's just like us as the audience like us viewing on like our perspective viewing it and it's just like wow this is crazy like how like like this is insane to like be a part of like he was like the moderator of the discussion yes yes the moderator (laughs) he was just like okay this is getting a little heavy yeah and then he was like He'd be like, oh, here. I'll give you a one on one, and then mm-hmm. he was like basically the Chris Wallace that's like between like the two heavyweight like debaters. Like it's just like, you're right. And so uh, I thought and then you had Ben Hop, then you had Cassius Clay looking on, saying like hearing what Sam Cooke's throwing out about <laughs> just, Chicago. He was just like nodding his head, like I don't know what to do. He's like shit, like uh, uh, crap. Um, the in Chicago, uh, the Nation of Islam's run drugs, but then also you hear Malcolm X side, like this is my passion for. Uh, the, the nation of it, uh, for Muslim uh, religion. And it's just like interesting to see everybody's dynamic, but going back to Aldous Hodges, he's just like in the bathroom, just staring at himself in the mirror, just breathing heavily, just mm-hmm. taking it all in. That's really what I thought his role was just taking it all in. Like you said, a moderator type role. And even though I thought he was good, I just don't think it's enough for a nomination. Great. Uh, so going on to this last part of the review, Rick, uh, what this is a fictionalized account, like this meeting based on true events that it transpired does the fact that this meeting didn't actually that this meeting didn't really happen impact your opinion of the movie no personally no because i think that kemp powers really just took it was just a great idea that i just took these characters together um and just wrote a brilliant script on just what was going on at the time with each of them and just how they would have collided if they were to talk about something as powerful as racial inequality and the civil rights movement and how like their parts in it. That's just something that us like in our top bone today, who do we want to hang out with? Just like who are the most influential people in like every decade? Like just if you put those people together, like what would they talk about? Like we things like that cross people, everyday people's minds if they're talking about famous people like, Oh, what if, I don't know, like, president obama met with abraham lincoln i don't know just an example like what would they talk about like this is like that hypothetical people throw out there very interesting to see and i really thought it worked i thought this movie worked and in such a limited setting and the the dialogue was just so powerful and the confrontations were so compelling and just because you know that these characters are famous and they did such great portrayals of each character or each person in this movie i just thought it was even better and more view uh nicer for the audience to see right i i think like 
they're what like they still honored their legacies and that's i think that's the big deal they didn't change history where it impacted what you thought about the character it only enhanced it and it also just gave you a further understanding it played best to the theme to like actually fictionalize it and put these four characters in a room and look at the and, and analyze their impact right and what they did so the fact that they didn't alter history to, to a point where people are turned on or off that goes to regina king like you pulled this off you did a great job yeah i agree um so let's throw out some scores here flex what did you give one night in miami mm-hmm. yeah so like i said in my first knee-jerk reaction like this was an on-stage play and plays are manageable lower budget compared to like a musical or obviously a theatrical release and this had a lot of first time like this is your like eli gory kenzie benadir like these are their like first time on the big screen in a big time movie and i thought they did a great job especially kenzie benadir and also leslie odom jr who i said earlier in hamilton the performances were just i thought out of this world and the themes and dialogue were just so powerful and you really resonated with me as well uh as a as an audience member and just to do a quick and out a quick comparison to ma rainey i thought this blew that out of the water even though i thought that was a really good movie this just blew that out of the water I'm going to go 94, 94. Flex, I'm going with a 95, okay? This movie was out of this world, as you mentioned. The performances were on another level. Probably, I think it was, in my opinion, better than any movie I saw in 2020. And, and I think I'm, all, I'm nearly confident. I'm pretty confident in saying that because I think we reviewed some great ones. Yeah, I think uh, so too. Like, I think it's my, uh, the one that hit me most in terms of themes, gaining an understanding of black uh, suppression, and also uh, responsibilities that these people that hold major um, power in the world, Influence. in the media, what, yeah, what should their responsibility be? And I think it's a super relevant theme. So I'm going 95 out of 100. Yeah, and I think most of the flashbacks and just the scenes not in the room slash with these characters colliding, I don't think a lot of those worked for me personally. I just, just I thought it was just things to either set up the eventual scene in, or the movie inside the inside the room or afterwards i thought it was just like all right we're wrapping up here real quick i just that that kind of like sped things along and i don't know i just like we're all just waiting for the four people to collide so i think everything outside of it i didn't think it was phenomenal like great like i'm saying with this movie is because this movie is phenomenal in my eyes i just thought everything else outside these four characters just didn't really do it for me right and i think when I, I talked about the cinematography really quickly, like in like the beginning of it, I think it's where they kind of used it. For, like that's where they used it more, most properly. Like when they're like in the ring with Muhammad Ali, uh, with Cassius Clay at the time, they have Jim Brown on the countryside. Like it just looked like a beautiful movie. I think that was just an opportunity to kind of like display it. Yeah. Right? And, and it's more than it's more like, I know you're not, they're saying like, you're not going to get much in terms of like what you're seeing in the, in the room. You're very limited in what you're seeing. So it's like, okay, let's show off a little bit. And I think they still did a good job even when they were just in the room. So probably. yeah. And I guess what I'm trying to say as, as well is that for, as, as an example to throw out here, what I'm trying to say is that while they're boxing, although I thought the boxing scenes were actually pretty good, like when he won, there was no like music in the background, like no score. There wasn't anything like to amp up the momentum. If you could just you could hear like the discussions and the murmuring and the cheering and everything like that. And like obviously they want to yeah. focus on these four characters like talking to each other and yelling after this historic win. But like there's no score behind it and there's no momentum prior to the boxing fight. Like you could just hear like I just didn't I didn't enjoy that part of the movie personally. Okay. All right. So Flex ninety four. 
Dr. O, 95. Amazing movie. Highly recommend to the listeners. So, I mean, now that does it for our review. Let's throw it over to Ricky Flex for top billing. Thank you, Dr. O. All right. Today's top billing is inspired by our review of One Night in Miami. And it is actors you'd want to hang out with. Now, this doesn't have to be a team. Like all, everybody on your top five, your top billing are all together at the same time. It's just actors you want to hang out with. Okay. Once an actor is picked, it's off the board. No repeats allowed. But we're also going to have some limitations because we, we got to get everybody here. All age and genders. We got to get everybody here. So yeah, out of your five picks, you must pick an actor or actress over the age of 60 one under the age of 30, and at least two actors of each gender. So two women and two men minimum. So you can't have four women and one male or four men and one woman. You have to have at least two and two. Any questions? So my initial question off off camera and off recording to Ricky Flex was whether we can do people just involved in show business, like we can do directors. And uh, I was denied that request or else we would have Bong Joon-ho as a first round pick. Can we agree, Flex? Yeah. Taika Waititi would be a good one too. Yeah, Taika. Taika could be a wild card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you brought him out to the bars, I think like he would just be a wild man. Right. But all right, let's get started. Uh, real quick, Dr. O, it's just me and you, so we're not going to do our famous spin the wheel, but we're going to do heads or tails. In the uh, Dr. O, heads or tails for the first pick. It was Tails. So, Dr. Rowe, you get the first pick in our top billing of actors you'd want to hang out with. Okay. Uh, so, I think it's obviously there are so many different choices here. I'm going to go with the man that is most popular. It's most fun to listen to. Has some incredible stories. Maybe not be the funniest guy in the room, but the most captivating man in the room. I'll go with Matthew McConaughey. It's the first overall pick. Um I think I think I like it's a, there's no undisputed number one here, but I knew Nick, Ricky Flix would definitely pick McConaughey if he could. So I'm going to take him with my number one. Yeah, so I think McConaughey is the number one personally. I think he like just the coolest guy in the world. I think it is Matthew McConaughey. Um, like just hang out with you could do literally any sort of activity with him, and he could do it. Like he's just so versatile and has a broad variety. He is number one in my eyes at least. So I think it's a good pick. And he just wrote that memoir, Green Lights. And like he has I'm like reading those, it right now. As I've said before, those captivating stories, the ones that just like they floor you. And then uh, honestly, I want to get that audio book. I want to get that audio book yeah. and just hear him tell his own story. And then also he's been in some amazing movies. He's an Academy Award winner. So if he just like talks about working with all these incredible directors and his success, I mean, makes for a hell of a night. And I'm, he, he seems like a powerhouse party or two. Yeah, and like when I when I was saying about how he could do anything, he could party, or he could just like hang by the campfire, drink some beers with, or just honestly have a a philosophical conversation with. You you can do anything with him. So go on a hike with him. He's super versatile. Yeah, no, seriously though, like go to a football game, Longhorns game, or something. Like go visit Joshua's tree with him. You know, big YouTube guy. He's he's a, he's not a wild card. He's just a guy who's going to be an absolute like the leader of the pack. Like he's the point guard. He runs he, he's your he's your uh, headliner. Like he, in your pack, like yeah. he's your headliner. But yeah, good pick. Him. Now, quick clarification: Do I get two picks here, or do you just want to go back and forth? I th- I feel like we should just go back and forth. Okay. So McConaughey off the board. Now, for I'm going to go different here. 
I'm going to do my under 30 because I don't think this is deep. I think there's a, people under 30 now, they're so controlled around their image and it's 2021. Everything's on social media. So you really got to be controlled. Not as people like Matthew County, when he was 20 years uh, under 30, he was going everywhere in days to confuse. Like it was just off the rails, right? For a lot of these actors that we'll have later down the road. Now it's like, you got to really find people that are really out there that you'd want to hang out with. And one of them, Sophie Turner, Sophie Turner, wow, 23 good. years old. You can see her slugging beers at Rangers games, dating Joe Jonas out in the streets in New York city, killing it in game of Thrones and in X-Men, even though terrible movie and franchise besides the first uh, latest franchise or series, but still Sophie Turner is a rising star and seems like she would be so cool to hang out with and you can go to a Rangers game party or just like talk game of Thrones with Sophie Turner, the queen so, of the North baby queen of the North. So Sophie Turner is yeah. my first pick. Yeah. She seems like, like she was just a blast to hang out with. That's a great pick. And, uh, that's one where like you like the jumbotron is what I think of her like not when she's not in Game of Thrones. Like I don't right. think of her in X Men. I don't think of her in anything else. I think of her just slamming wine on the jumbotron. Her wine, yeah. Uh, and she's like fun on social media too. Like she, yeah, yeah. Like she, uh, she you know, she's a boss. So I, that's a great. That's your under thirty, right? That's my under thirty. Not a deep under thirty. Not deep, like I said. So I'm just getting my number one right away. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people, but not a lot of good people, you know? Or people that you'd want to hang out with compared to, like, the rest yeah. of the list that are over 30. People that aren't, like, too concerned with their image. Like, people that exactly. are, like, yeah. So, I, I understand 100%. But, all right, to you, you're number two. I'm going over six. Uh, am I going over 60? Let me analyze for a second. I'm torn. I am torn. You know what? I'm going to go under 30. I'm going to go to counter you. I'm going to go Zendaya. I'll go Zendaya. I'm a big board. To hang out with uh, under 30. Uh, she is like on the rise, superstar, uh, maybe the most popular actress in the world right now. Like I would even go. It's crazy. And I, like, and I feel like if she posts anything on Twitter, it's like 100,000 likes. That's just like who she is. It's, it's crazy how she gets like uh, this notoriety. And she also seems fun. And she's been all these. She's in, like, obviously in the Spider-Man franchise. She's going to be in Dune. Like she's. And she just seems chill. Like she seems like a cool person to hang out with. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go Zendaya. It's my under 30 pick. My first female off the board. So, yeah, my and she's she was my number three on my big board under 30. Uh-huh. Uh, for me, it's I wrote next to her like an arrow, chill. She just seems chill, like you Super said. Chill. Like it's someone that you could just chill out with. She swags. She swags. Uh, yeah, and she dresses for, like someone in your crew. Like you need someone that just goes out all like – all like goes all out in what they wear and talk like about, that's yeah talk about like grabbing attention like you go out with zendaya like wow <laughs> yeah like it's just like it's like the people are just gonna notice your squad real quick mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter where you are doesn't matter who 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 else you see at the at the party people are gonna see zendaya yeah squad mm-hmm. but yeah no that's a good pick all right i'm up now now again i'm gonna go <sighs> The board's deep because it's literally anybody, anybody. Um, I'm going to save my over 60 because I'm really fine if I get any of the three people I have listed here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go Melissa McCarthy. I'm going to get another damn, woman dude, off the board. Damn, I was thinking See, just picking her. So God, besides Sophie Turner, I Melissa McCarthy, like, brides me 2011. Like, 
spy. Like, she just seems like she'd be so much fun to hang out with. And I just said those two movies, but the one movie that sticks out to me that is just like, wow, I want to hang out with Melissa McCarthy. Is an identity thief in the beginning. The movie with Jason Bateman and she steals like people's uh, identity, like credit cards and uses them at the bars and like buys the whole bar's drinks. Like I need people like that to hang out with. Like people just go balls to the wall, all out, either partying or just whatever they do. And also they're just a comic relief. Always have a joke, but not necessarily a comedian, like a pure comedian like that you see on Comedy Central. Just someone that's just always funny. And Melissa McCarthy delivers all the time. That's going to be my second pick. Such a good pick. Uh, I thought I was going to get her. I didn't think you were going to pick her. I'm devastated right now. I want a Melissa McCarthy. She's just an all-around powerhouse of a funny person. Like, Mm -hmm. she is just, if you ever need a laugh, you can just rely on Melissa McCarthy. Super fun to hang out with. So, 50 uh, years old, by the way. I I I have to commend you on that pick. Thank you. You're up. I'll go with so I need over sixty. So we just need one over sixty and one under thirty, or is it correct? Two? Correct. You can do two if you want. It's just just you need at least one. And you okay? So this is tough. I'm trying to think. I'll take over sixty. Okay. I'll go over sixty. I got a couple of people I've narrowed down, but I think I'll go with Jack Nicholson. I'll go with Jack Nicholson over 60. Okay. Uh, the man is maybe one of the most famous movie stars that's ever lived. He helped like personify what the movie star is. You think about, and I'm like, if I want to go to a Laker game, I can go at any point with Jack Nicholson. Uh, On the floor. So the guy's a supreme partier. He's one of the best actors who ever lived. He can tell me about his experiences, who he's hung out with. And I de- and like, if you still see the pictures of him out on his boat, on his yacht, like chilling, he's still living the dream. So I'm going to take him as my over 60, Jack Nicholson. He's 83. Yeah. It's insane. He was yeah. my number number three on my big board for uh, over 60. I think just the Lakers aspect, like the Lakers. Actually, I'm going to go a different way with this. With the way I thought about Jack Nicholson is that people like people know him as Jack. Jack is, slash John is like the most common name. He owns Jack. And he owns like, oh, that's Jack. Like, that's insane. Yeah. Could so more. Jack Nicholson's a great pick, but it goes to me. So now I'm going to save my over 60 strategy wise. And I'm going to go with Adam Sandler. Nice. Adam Sandler is just, seems like he just takes care of the boys. You just see grown ups. He makes all these movies that make so much money. They're not necessarily great, but he makes sure all his boys always are in them. And he just, always wants to take care of him no matter what. And he's just loyal. I need that. I want to hang out with someone like that. Loyal, always will take care of me. Like Adam Sandler, I think is a great pick. And he also dressed like the way he dresses as well. Like he'll never show me up. Like he's going to wear baggy shorts down to his ankles and baggy shirts that just don't match at all. He will never show me up, but yet he's Adam freaking Sandler. Like, and he's also hilarious. Similar to Melissa McCarthy aspect. I think just all around would be a perfect person to hang out with. Yeah, he's the guy who, like, you go out with him, and, like, no matter who's there, what actor's there, he's still going to be himself, and then he's also going to pick up the check. That's just yes. the kind of dude he is. And he's just, like, I, and he's so comfortable. Yeah, did you mention what he was wearing? I just kind of zoned out. For yeah, him. the baggy shorts, yeah. like a collared shirt that doesn't match his baggy gym shorts. Yeah, he and you can show off yeah. to anybody. He knows who he is. He knows how a big deal he is. He doesn't need to, like, like he's Adam Sandler. And then, he, like, the, you made the greatest point that you can make. He puts his boys in his movies. Like, he gives them roles. He, he made them recognizable stars in Hollywood. Doesn't matter 
matter how bad of an actor of mm-hmm. actors they are, he made him recognizable. Like he like insane. I would love to be a part of his entourage. That's so cool. It's a great so movie. cool. And you can shoot hoops with him. That's not a good aspect of it. Oh yeah. All right, you're up. You're number four. Okay. So I got Zendaya, McConaughey, Nicholson. It's a pretty powerful trio. So I, I got to choose whether I'm going to go male or female. Like if I pick male now, I have to get a female in the last round. Dude, I got to go Leo. Yeah. Leo. I got, I got like, I was thinking about maybe I take the funny person. I want the guy who's just going to like be surrounded by gorgeous women. I'm getting, I don't care if I'm getting sloppy seconds. I don't get like, like, I'm getting residuals, right? (laughs) Whatever from. Leo DiCaprio, and he's like just going to the most exotic places. He's done the most amazing movies. He's worked with the most amazing directors. I want to be know what it's like to be around the goat and hang out with the goat. So I'm taking Leo DiCaprio. Yeah, so I, I think that's a good pick. He's he's up there for me, top five on my big board, just normal big board. And I think one just drawback to him is he feels like if you go out to the bar with him or something he just wants to be on his own he's just a lo- like i'm not saying he's a loner or anything like that i'm just saying like it feels like he just wants to be in the corner with his vape and drink like a wine or something like yeah. by himself and then at the end of the night he's like all right like just picks maybe, up a couple girls maybe. like at the i don't end. know man but then like, i see him dance in the wolf of wall street like he's got moves if he, if he wants to, like put oh. the test like it like, depends on the situation like 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 he he if he wants to turn the switch on he turns the switch on hopefully he does this. i don't know i i feel like he doesn't want to turn that switch on and be known for that like in the movies like in his he's so passionate about his work he's like oh like i can do literally anything i want i'm that talented but like when he's out and about i just feel like he's a normal dude that just kind of wants to be left alone a little bit maybe maybe it, just, it depends what he's doing man like if he's on a boat with a bunch of beautiful girls that's where i want to be with leo just kind of like similar similar to nicholson i guess i if i'm looking at yours like mcconaughey like your draft right now like mcconaughey he's like your all-star like your headliner like he's the guy that leads your group when you go out right leo's just like that person you want because He'll everyone knows the opportunity too yeah like you, you like you said residuals as well you get beautiful women around you but also just because it's Leo DiCaprio, and he just brings that quality to your your squad. I know that we mentioned that these are all individual, but like if you did have a squad, it's just like he's not going to be like the leader saying like we're going here and here. He's just be like, yeah, that's a cool crew. Yeah, yeah, you're just you're the cool guy. Yeah, like you're, you're the cool, cool guy. guy. Like if you're just with Leo, like even if like they don't know who you are, you're not an actor, actress. You're not a, you're a no name. Like you're a teacher. You're just with Leo. You're a cool guy officially. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's a good pick. Now, to my fourth. I I still haven't decided yet. For um, I I still have over sixty left, and I'll just do that now because I still haven't decided on my last miscellaneous one. But I'll do over sixty and go with Bill Murray. Bill Murray, I feel <laughs> like will be a great one. He is uh, he's seventy, and there's just some like if you if you ever seen Lost in Translation when he's out in Tokyo and he like goes to karaoke, he's a famous actor in that movie. Like and his character is, he goes just random people to, to bars. Like he's like, hangs out with just random ass people and just has a great time drinking and doing karaoke. And it's just fun, comedic comic relief in your group. That's just also so personable and could just talk to anybody and go up to anybody without any like second, second thought about it. 
Like he has no, yeah. his confidence meter is through the roof. I know all these people, they're actors in Hollywood and they're all superstars. So like, obviously they all do, but like we were just talking about with Leo, he just, for me personally, I feel like he just wants to be left alone. Bill Murray wants to be out and about. He could be that person in your group that he will be like your, like your pawn to go out and just like get, get the group going. Right. Um, yeah, like he's no. You see those those videos that pop up on social media randomly. It was more popular a couple of years ago. Murray just wherever he is, just mm-hmm. like just getting people, like being a man of the common, like being a, a common man, like being a man of the people. Yeah. Like uh, whether he's at a golf course or he's at a Cubs game or whatever, we've seen a bunch of videos. He seems like fun guy to hang out with for sure, and you know he's hilarious. What's what's what with like why would you want to hang out with someone? Right. Like, you know? And I think you've met him, Doctor, but I know I've met him. And I met him at a golf tournament and he was just wearing this, those, you know, those propeller hats. Oh yeah. He was, oh, yeah. it was a celebrity <laughs> pro-am and he was wearing one. And like, I went up to him for an autograph and like, we were just, I just talked to him for like a couple seconds, like talking about Connecticut, uh, cause we were in Connecticut at the time talking about Connecticut and like, cause he, obviously who goes to Hartford, Connecticut, if you're Bill Murray, you know, like live in Beverly Hills. So it's just interesting how he just shows up there. And I talked to him for like a couple sentences and it was pretty cool. He's just a nice guy. And he was cracking jokes to people, making fun of people in like a nice way. And you, I want that. I want that with someone I'm hanging out with that sarcastic, but yet serious comic relief guy. Good pick. Good. Pick. All right. Your last pick. Strong draft for you, Ricky Flex. I'm so pissed. I'm still hung up on the Melissa McCarthy pick because that's who I wanted, bro. That I should have picked her was like the first overall. Mm. Was like, every, like, that would have been an interesting first overall. That would have been like one one. Ah, I'm gonna go. I need a wild card. I need a wild card. I have so many cool people, not enough funny, and then like okay, they might get you thrown. They might get thrown out of the bar type people. I don't have mm. any of those. So I'm gonna go with. Anna Kendrick as my last one. Okay. I'll go Anna Kendrick. Seems like a great time. Uh, she's, she's funny. She may not be like the, the funniest person in the group, but she's, all, she's still extremely cool. Uh, she seems like she likes to have a good time. Anna Kendrick. Uh, I was debating between her and Audrey Plaza. That was like those two. Mm-hmm. It's like they're, they're both like, you could tell like they are a part of their groups. They're going to be the loudest. They're going to be a lot of fun. And that's why I'm going to go Anna Kendrick. So for me, I viewed them the same way. Like if I thought of Anna Kendrick, I also thought of Audrey Plaza. I personally would have gone Audrey Plaza because I feel, I, I look at Henny Kendrick as being like the goody two shoe compared to Audrey Plaza. <laughs> She's wild and too. Audrey Plaza is like, if you think of like Parks and Rec and Scott Pilgrim versus the world, like we just did last year, uh, last episode, I mean, and that review, just like that character that she always plays feels like that would be her out. And like, honestly, to be part of your crew, like someone like that, that's I think that brings a little difference. Like you said, wild card. Definitely that would be the wild card of your group. Not like yeah. I say Anna Kendrick, but I understand the pick. I think it's good. Yeah, I, I needed somebody like that. I got I, my, my list is too cool. McConaughey, Zadaya, DiCaprio, Nicholson. They're, they're all too cool. <laughs> I need someone who's like a little offbeat, someone who's just not necessarily as cool. And we need someone that's just going to bring some energy. And you know Anna Kendrick's going to bring the energy. Well, it goes to me, and you just reminded me that my list is kind of similar. Because I got Melissa McCarthy, Adam Sandler, Bill Murray, Bill Murray. They're all comedy. And I was going to go comedy in my last pick. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to. Man, I, I really wanted to pick this person. But now that you said, like, I need, I need to bring some differences to my group here. So I'm going to go with the Brit, Idris Elba. Ooh, DJ. The DJ. Like, the DJ in your group. 
you're always playing good, play good music in your group, whether it's his or someone else's, just a great DJ and personality, a Brit, a good looking Brit. Like those people are like immediately, immediately attract attention. And it just, just seems like he's a cool dude. Like, especially he can play like such in his movies, he can play either dead serious, like the wire, um, uh, Spencer and the wire, or he can play in, uh, the Hobbs and Shaw. It's like, I'm black Superman. Like yeah. so cool. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good impersonation. And, uh, I, I, so we'll get to honorable mentions now. He's funny too. Like he's, he's also office. funny. Like, like, he, yeah, like, true. Like, he's a, he's very versatile and like, but, um, he's a cool guy, but also just like the key aspect is he knows music. Right. The DJ, he'll bring energy. Yeah. That's the way I was viewing him. But the person I was really toying with was Jack Black. I really wanted Jack I had Black. I on my list too. He was I like wanted the Jack Black. McCarthy par- like parallel. I was gonna go him or DiCaprio, but because like, he would be like my funny guy. But uh, that's what I'm, my list is really missing. I guess Anna Kendrick kind of supplies that, but she's mm-hmm. not on that level, you know. Yes, agreed. But uh, who else? Honorable mentions for you, real quick. Uh, Samuel Jackson. He's yep. gonna be my seventy-two, over sixty. Uh, I had Brad Pitt. We no one picked Brad Pitt. Uh, and he would based off his like speeches like through his uh, academy awards run last year his awards season run i should say he is a funny dude cool dude it goes without saying and you know same idea with leo he's always he's gonna be draped with good looking chicks but he is married so or he has kids so that kind of might hold him back a little bit most people have kids yeah but like, like most of our list I, I would say most of them don't have kids like, I don't think I don't think any of my guys have kids. Maybe yeah. Jack Nicholson has a couple he doesn't know about. But uh, so Woody Harrelson, Woody Harrelson also is on my list. Like, <laughs> That's like, wild. Uh, Vince Go bowling Vaughn. with him. Vince Vaughn and uh, Will Ferrell. Yeah, yeah. Vince Vaughn could be your leader. Yeah, wedding crashers. Like, you think? So I, I wrote a blog on like uh, once quarantine ends, who you hitting the bars out with? And I said he was my point guard. I want and I did characters, not like. Uh, I did Jeremy Gray, not like Vince Vaughn. So he mm-hmm. is like, that's just that role and the way he played that just shows he's, he's an awesome time. Uh, I had Morgan Freeman because that video that came out of him dancing a couple of years ago. Yes. Um, and then Will Smith to be cool. Ryan Reynolds as well. But- yeah. Ryan Reynolds just had a kid too, but uh, no, uh, go through a couple of my honorable mentions for under 30 Haley Steinfeld. If you consider her an actress, like Shout out Friday beers, which I do now, yeah, sure. like exactly, like she's in so many different avenues, and also, and now MCU series, but also it's just she's great on social media, and Friday beers is a great example of her just her connect connectivity with just people like us. Um, Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel would be cool. I don't know about Vin Diesel. I don't know about him. He's a TikToker. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence. I would, I would, oh, I would go. go I would, I would go to uh, Vin Diesel to a karaoke bar. That's probably it. <laughs> yeah no uh, <laughs> yes but uh jennifer, jennifer lawrence is another one just turned 30 so couldn't do under 30 but she would have been good she just turned 30 yeah or just 31 maybe wow she's younger than i thought i had her on my list too um yeah she's been f- so long dude um but chris pratt was a big one that i wanted to do uh Not down to earth what oh well it's because the people would think of him i don't think it's controversial like i love chris pratt but co- go ahead i interrupted um a couple others chris hemsworth just you see those aussie videos like when he's on australia super cool dude um seth rogan obvious reasons like just chill dude um john john, john ham don draper like yeah, and he's also funny 
And like you saw in his latest uh, series with Curb, like how funny he is and good. Like I think that'd be great. And then speaking of Curb, my last one, my number two on my big board, it would have been controversial, but Larry David. I think Larry David would be so cool to hang out with. Just yeah. like not not like every day or every week, but just like once in a while hanging out with Larry David. You would be a really constant cool. complainer on your hands, dude. I exactly. Yeah, I couldn't pick it, but he's the kind of guy you like. Like if you go out somewhere, he complains about something to like the waiter. If you're going out to dinner, you mm-hmm. laugh because it's funny what he's doing. Exactly. You know who he is. Like that's just Larry being Larry. Like he'll do that. Exactly. You know who he is. So that 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 aspect would be funny. But at the same time, he would piss me off if I was hanging out with him. Right. It's just like if if I picked him, I would have to do a disclaimer saying in moderation. Because like in moderation, I feel like he would be awesome. But just like if you did it all the time, like every Saturday night you're going out with him, it's just like no, like no, just too much. But uh, all right, I'll read off our list and then we can get to WandaVision. Dr. Rowe, Matthew McConaughey, Zendaya for his under 30 pick, Jack Nicholson for his over 60 pick, Leo DiCaprio, and Anna Kendrick. Ricky Flix's top billing is Sophie Turner for his under 30, Melissa McCarthy, Adam Sandler, Bill Murray for his over 60, and Idris Elba. That is our top billing for actors we'd like to hang out with. Over to you, Dr. L. Hard to lose that one. Hard to lose that top billing. Um, just because there's so many great choices. You had to really botch it. Right. I, think, I think we were both serviceable. Like I thought we did fine. Uh, we missed Nez on this one. If we had Nez, maybe we get a little bit more variety. But uh, still. Fun we throw a lot of wild cards out at us. Oh, definitely. yeah. No, I mean, this is coming from the guy who picked. Uh, let's get it started. Hot tub time machine. Hot tub time machine for favorite top five music movie moments. So you don't know what to expect. When Pulp Fiction's on the board. <laughs> yes, it could have been anything. And the same guy who picked Mr. Potato Head in the, the Pixar draft. Over Woody. I'm sorry for I'm sorry for that. Now we're just ripping yeah, on him when he's, he's not gonna, here. He's That's... gonna hear this later when he edits it. He's gonna be very fr- he's gonna be very angry with us. Yeah, we're doing we're doing him dirty right now. Okay, so sorry, Nez. Let's move on to WandaVision, the last part of our episode. And we're going to recap the first two epis that dropped on Disney+, Plus, both about a half hour long each, as we enter phase four of the MCU. Heavy, heavy MCU episode following today's uh, checkup. So, Flix, the first episode, we had basically the reintroduction of Wanda and Vision, hence WandaVision. You have them stuck in a 1950s-style sitcom, right? And in this sitcom, you don't know how they got there. You don't know why Vision is back following his disappearance, his death in Infinity War, okay? But you have them basically living their everyday life, but it turned, it's very unusual because they don't know how they got there. They don't know the circumstances. They don't know when they were married, but they're living this everyday life, right? Vision has a job as a computa- at a computation computation company you got wanda playing the stereotypical nuclear wife at home flex what was your initial reaction to this black and white i love lucy style intro episode yeah i thought it was interesting it was good to see just the variety marvel's bringing here it's like this is just totally different what they've ever done they've been saying that forever and now it's really here and yes we see that i think it worked I didn't necessarily love it. Like if I, if I'm, this is a bad comparison, but like you, when you see like the Mandalorian, like something that's as captivating and action oriented around like a Disney product, you think, wow, like that's what I want to see in a Disney plus series. And then you get WandaVision. I just think that they're setting it up for the future to be like a Mandalorian. This is just, this is just the setup saying, this is what it's going to be like. Just make sure 
like you're aware of the sitcom style and then we're going to push forward into every decade of the sitcom style so just gear up because it will get to this and you saw with some of the easter eggs near the end of each episode but we're just easing it into it like i said what about you dr o yeah, hundred percent. This is more of a setup episode, but it's also like it provides the audience that shock factor. Like, whoa, what am I watching right now? This is what the phase four is going to start off with. Yes. It's going to look like. And Kevin Feige has warned us, like, hey, this is going to be something unlike you, something unlike anything you've ever seen. Not only in Marvel, just in general. Like, at least throwback to these classic sitcoms, the black and white, and then like the theme song, all of it, the elements that go into it. You have like the classic 1950s story, even even implemented. Uh, and they're borrowing aspects from like Bewitched and I, as I, and I Dream of Genie, things like that. So I think it's cool how they're going through each decade, like 1950s was the first episode, second was the 1960s. There, there weren't all those Easter eggs that people look for, but there were several, right? So they had the commercial. Definitely. They had this, the, first, uh, the first episode, they had the commercial for the Tony Stark microwave, like uh, toaster oven. Yeah, type. toaster oven type thing. And then if you listen closely, you can hear. Uh, when they turn it on, it makes the Iron Man sound where it, yes. where it loads up like that, and then like it shoots out. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. But um, we also have the introduction, right? So they go through this, they go through their day. Uh, Vision goes to work, uh, as I said before. Wanda stays at home. While Wanda's home, she's introduced to Catherine Hahn's character, Agnes, right? And she has been prevalent in both episodes that have debuted. And I'm curious what her role is going to be beyond being in this almost simulation type of environment for Wanda and Vision. And what it looks like, it's basically happening in Wanda's head or someone has placed her in this simulation. So Catherine Hahn, she has made like subtle jokes through the first two episodes saying like, here's the star of the show and things like that. And then uh, and then we know from the end of the episode, someone's controlling Wanda, right? They're, they're like the man in the van, the woman in the van. Someone is controlling every aspect of her life, what's going yes. on. Is Catherine Hahn playing some type of role in this? That's what I was thinking. So, yeah. And she's like, she's in every episode, the most prevalent supporting character. So I think that's something we got to look forward to in uh, episode three. Yeah. Like she always wants to stay in the house, make sure everything's okay. Like the, with the dinner scene, I just think that she's like that consistent thing, a consistent presence for whoever's controlling Wanda in this alternate reality. Uh, allegedly, like I think that's, now, after seeing the first two episodes, it's kind of correct, but I don't want to say it as a as a fact because I don't know. But um, I agree with you. I think, and I do like her. Like I think of uh, I think of her a lot in Step Brothers, obviously, and with his, her relationship with Dale. Um, but I think that she does she's doing well here. Yeah, no, I think she kills it as that like 1950s sitcom character. Yeah, and she's great in the 1960s, and I can't wait to see her with like her jazzercise stuff on when we go to eventually the 1980s. Like that's kind of <laughs> teasing the trailer. But um, in terms of like who's controlling Wanda in the simulation, who is reunited her with Vision, right? Who has this axe to grind with Wanda? We at the end of the episode they show that man in the van kind of controlling what's happening. Could be the, the main villain, or it could be somebody else. We got a logo right it was the sword logo it was Mm -hmm. a literal sword with a circle through it yes it's actually another acronym right we know marvel loves their acronyms with shield uh sword and it stands for the sent according to the comics the sentient world observation response department and it's like a counterterrorism and and intelligence agency so very similar to shield but they uh, detail 
more of the extraterrestrial and space-related threats. Yes. So is this more space-related? I doubt it because Wanda doesn't really have a relationship with that. But could Sword also be the one are, – Like, so are they trying to extract Wanda from this simulation? Are they trying to figure out who is controlling her? And then do they have agents hmm. in this world? Like we see in episode two of Monica Rambeau, right? Yes. She, she sent in from Captain Marvel, for those who don't know. Did Sword send her in as an agent to try and find out more information? Because even uh, – so I'm like jumping around all the – all like between episode yeah. and two here. So um, I just want to like finish off with Sword. Sword is basically in the X-Men comics because sentient – think of Sentinels. Mm-hmm. Think about Days of Future Past, like preventative measures for mutants. Could WandaVision be a movie that – I mean a, a show, a project that leads into the inclusion of the X-Men, which would be pretty cool. That would be cool, and that's more because you keep hearing the rumors of this show being connected to Doctor Strange and Spider-Man Three, but not to the X-Men. So that's interesting theory. Um, going back to the Monica character from Episode Two, like you see her like being the final act in their um, magic show. So like I do, I do think that she she's going to play a huge part in this, as I think Kath, Catherine uh, Catherine Harris character is more like the consistent presence for the the person controlling the world. I think it's the opposite for her. Like, I agree with your point, your theory that she's like either on the sword side or just like on, on the good side, I think personally, right. like she knows what's going on. That's why she's not super. She acts like it, but she's not super surprised, but all in all, I think this is good. I, I still, I'm not, I didn't, I wasn't blown away by these two episodes. Like I was with the Mandalorian uh, with like baby Yoda going on and everything. I wasn't blown away, but I think it's just setting up for what's to come. But my my big takeaway from this to go along with sword uh sword is uh nick fury like nick fury's out is like he's in the extra extraterrestrial world secret invasion is another is another um project marvel project coming up like i think that this is going to relate to those you you talked about x-men i think it's going to relate to nick fury and uh the secret invasion what what it's going to go with that Right. Are they in communication with Nick Fury in some way? So right. It's like, so it's like obviously Shield compromised by Hydra. Is this the new the new organization? And you saw a Hydra ad in the second episode with the watch. Yeah, Baron Stryker. Right? Yeah, Baron Stryker, who is the one from Age of Ultron that is controlling, or even mm-hmm. the post credit scene for uh, Winter Soldier, because that uh, basically gives birth to the mutant aspects of Wanda and her brother, right, Quicksilver. Yes. But I also want to talk about like uh, episode two. We also had the radio scene where you someone is calling out to Wanda, right? Because they're calling out, uh, and there's a certain voice. It was like, "Help me, Rhonda's playing." Okay, and all of a sudden you have uh, this voice saying, "Wanda, who's doing this to you? Wanda, who's doing this to you?" Right. So that also that gives me a hint that probably this could be Sword reaching out, and that voice sounds very familiar. It sounds just like Randall Park, right? Who is um, an Ooh. actor. Who is an actor that was introduced in the trailer? Who's basically wearing an FBI style jacket, running through a field. And Randall Park, he's an Asian actor. You'll recognize him when you see him and when you hear his voice. So, is he reaching out to Wanda? And then I'm, that's what further like enhances my theory that he plants Monica Rambo in. And Monica Rambo, when she is introduced to Wanda, when she they introduce one another, she's hesitant to say her name. She doesn't say, like, she, yes. if you look at it, she pauses for a sec and then tells her, you can tell it's a fake name. I think someone, uh, I think she is knows exactly where she is right now. And she's yeah, I agree. playing a part, okay, to try and find out and extract Wanda from this world. Also, we got to bring up the color 
first two episodes all black and white. And yeah, now it's gonna go to color. The only color we saw in the first two episodes is red. We saw and we uh we saw blood come on the leader of the woman's oh, club. Oh right, right. Two. You also had the helicopter that was found in the bushes in the towards the, the toy one. Episode two. Mm-hmm. And the, what did that helicopter have on it? It was red and it had a sword logo on it. Yes. Right. And now, if we jump to the end of the episode, okay, we have uh, a thud that was similar to the first thud that happens at the beginning of the episode with a branch hitting the window, apparently. You have another thud. Vision goes outside to see what that thud is. You see someone coming out of the grate in black and white wearing almost like a beekeeper looking. Uniform. Yes, a beekeeper outfit. With yeah. Bee- yeah. It had tw- very much Twilight Zone vibes. Very. And what was the logo on the back of that man's jacket? Sword. Yes. Right? So a lot of connections happening. Things are ha- – like episode two really picked it up a little bit, like giving context clues. But then Wanda – like I, yeah. just to chime in, Wanda said like, no, we're not doing this and like rewound it. Right. So like so, I think that was a major aspect of it. True. So is Wanda controlling everything herself? Yes. She, so is it because because in the comics she can like she used to be with Magneto in the comics her and Vision and like she like learned to control reality like as well. Wow. Like alter reality. Like I, I'm I'm probably butchering this, but like it's similar to that. So like she can create an alternate reality and like like alter it. So like, she's just it. so but so that this is where it confuses me. She's saying like. Like someone's asking who's doing this to you. Right. Someone's it can be both. Is it, or, so, like, so that's why, like I'm saying, it's not black and white. Like, yeah, she's being definitely controlled. You know, that's, I think that's the case. But she can also alter the reality. Like, I think it's super confusing. We'll find out more. We're all just, we're, me and you are just theorizing here. Right. But that's why I find this so interesting because there's so many avenues that they can go to. And even if you go back to the comics like I'm doing right now, there's no solution to this. Like, WandaVision can go anywhere because of this whole, this real, like, Spider-Man 3, Doctor Strange, maybe other projects are relying on this project. So they have to connect it with all of those, not just the WandaVision comics. It's almost setting up the rules of like, oh, there's like a multiple yeah, other right. universes. And so it's like, this has to nail it. And you're right. It could have this further connection to all these other projects, not necessarily just Doctor Strange too. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to see where this ends up. The episode two or how it keeps uh, going. Fridays, right? Only one episode though now. Hopefully it'll be longer than 30 minutes. We'll see. But uh, we also have the the hint. We're going to the 1970s now with the change of coloring. And then we also have Wanda pregnant. Who's. uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. So that is like, that was odd. Yeah. So I'm wondering what's happening there. So many questions between the first, uh, between both episodes uh, that still need to be answered, but that's why we're here to recap every one of them. And then also not, not related to like what the content of the episode but like the credit scenes start like seven minutes, like like it says like thirty six minute episode, but the episode ends at like the 29th minute. There's seven minutes of credits and there's no post credit scene, so it's like why do you have? S- but like seven minutes of credits in a TV show, what are we doing? That's, that's what I'm saying. You can't do that if you're Marvel because people are just gonna watch it through fast forward and then you give them nothing. Like like people. I was so confused on that. People are looking for like oh what's what's gonna what's the tease for next episode or what's the tease for the universe or whatever nothing so that's kind of that was sad yeah and just like because you think like you think like uh netflix is netflix is the leader by far and like tv series they do like next episode in five four three two one and like they like lead you to the next one this one they just like have seven minutes of credits they don't like give you like a fast forward option or anything it stinks yeah that's sad <laughs> yeah uh, like I'm, 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 i was disappointed in that aspect short episodes and there's only like six of them right six, there's uh, gonna be nine there's seven nine, more left excuse me there's seven so we get seven weeks of this but only one episode it's gonna be less than what we just did now 
Let's go. Make sure you uh, you guys are tracking the blog, looking at the recaps. The blog would be helpful to read for sure. Dr. O does a good job breaking it down and theorizing it, but no spoilers, like unless like he uh, gives you a warning for it. Right. So he does definitely, a good job with that. Definitely something you want to read through. Maybe then oh, hearing us talk about it, I have no idea what we're talking about. Right. So, Flex, that will conclude this episode of the Drive-In Podcast. We'd like to thank you for listening, and we'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to leave us a review and rate us five stars wherever you're listening to the pod. Also, follow us on all our social media platforms at the Drive-In Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Drive-In on Facebook and YouTube, and then check out our blog on a daily basis on thedriveinpod.com. Check out those WandaVision recaps, people. Thank you, and we will smell you.